Hi, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. On today's episode, I'm your host, Brady Brewer, and joining me today is Jenna Neese, Ag and Natural Resource Extension Educator in Putnam County, Ed Ferris, Ag and Natural Resource Extension Educator in Huntington County, and Michael Langmeyer, Professor and Associate Director of the Center for Commercial Ag. On today's episode, we will be discussing uh, production pillar, which is a continuation of the contingency planning series. I do just want to remind all the listeners before we get into today's topic of, of production contingency planning and the production pillar, uh, that these resources that we talk about on today's episode um, is based on a course called the Six Pillars of Farm Risk Management. Uh, this project is funded in part by the North Central Risk Management Extension Education Center. And for uh, more information on these materials that we are discussing, you can go to the Purdue Institute for Family Business website, uh, which is purdue.ag slash famvis. Uh, so with that, Michael, I want to open up, uh, you know, as I said, today's episode, the topic is production risk or the production pillar. So why is it important, you know, uh, why is preparing for production risk important for a, a farm business? Yeah, a lot of times when we talk about production risk, uh, we have for a crop producer, for example, we're thinking about yield variability. And obviously you can't do a lot about dry conditions and wet conditions, but your management practices in response to wet and dry conditions can make a lot of difference. And so let's just give a, a couple of examples of where that would be the case. Uh, let's start with timely uh, uh, timely planting. I mean, obviously that 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 helps reduce uh, you know production variability. That that's one example. Another example is uh, let's say we have a really wet field. Thinking about putting tile drainage on that field makes a lot of difference. Uh, if we if we have sandy soils and 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 variable yields, perhaps putting in irrigation. And so there's several management responses related to technology, typically that we that we can use to try to reduce production variability. The other topic that we're going to uh, discuss today is transferring some of this production variability to a third party. Uh, for example, we can we can buy crop insurance. And 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 the crop insurance company and and the and our farm is sharing that production variability. It comes at a cost, uh, but but nevertheless, it's a very useful tool uh, that we can use to to transfer production risk. So, Michael, I want to follow up on something you said there. You said that there's practices we can do to help control or or maybe minimize the production risk that we're experiencing in our farm business. What are some of those practices that we can do to reduce this production risk? Yeah, I gave a couple of examples related to applying new technology. Some other things you can do from a technology standpoint, precision agriculture. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new uh, equipment uh, enhancements in the next few years related to pre precision agriculture. Take a close look at the at those technologies and, and not only from a benefit cost standpoint, but also from a production variability standpoint. Uh, are these ways to, to smooth out our yields and, and reduce some of the variability uh, in yields? Uh, some other things that we're gonna look at, Jenna's gonna talk about this in more detail. Uh, one of the items is diversification. Uh, diversification is when we uh, produce two or more enterprises. The classic type of diversification in agriculture was crop and livestock enterprises. 
uh, in the last last few years, probably the last couple decades at least, uh, we've we've went to more specializing in just crops or specializing in just livestock. But nevertheless, there is opportunities uh, to do some diversification. For example, if you're in southern Indiana, rather than just producing corn and soybeans, you can uh, also produce wheat double crop soybeans. I mean, wheat have. Uh, we wheat yields do not follow the same uh, weather uh, as corn and soybeans, and so that's a, that's a way to to reduce variability. Always, when we're looking at diversification, we want to ask some very important questions. Uh, first of all, does diversification lead to higher net profits? Uh, and you're saying, well, how can that possibly be the case? Well, if we have equipment and and if we can more fully utilize equipment by producing wheat. Uh, which is a different time of the year, typically, when we use the equipment uh, than just corn and soybeans, maybe that actually um, allows us to more fully, fully utilize the equipment, lowering the per unit cost for the equipment. Probably a more important uh, way to think about diversification is risk reduction. Uh, you know, wheat prices and corn prices and soybean prices are not perfectly correlated. And so by producing uh, multiple enterprises, we can reduce that variability uh, in revenue. Uh, and so that's the, and so that's uh, obviously a very important strategy. Another thing that that a lot of farmers uh, think about, particularly in the Eastern Corn Belt, is what we call maintaining flexibility. Uh, an example of this is having some excess production capacity or excess capacity when it comes to equipment. Uh, many many producers in Indiana will have slightly larger equipment than they might need in an average year. And the reason for that is we only have so many good days of planting in a good year. Uh, and, and when you have a really wet May, uh, those, those number of days can really be reduced. And if we plant later uh, into June, for example, that can really uh, you know, cut off the top end of the yields. And so, and so that's an example of having excess production capacity. Always when you're looking at something like that, there's obviously benefits from having excess production capacity, but there's also costs. Obviously, if you have larger equipment, it's going to cost you more. And so uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say well, this is a benefit cost type calculation we have to look at with all of these. The, finally, the other thing that's becoming a little bit more common, but still not real typical, is, is to have some vertical integration. I mean, you, there's some people in Indiana, for example, that that raise livestock and, and have a retail store uh, to sell some of that beef to uh, to consumers. That's an example of vertical integration. Uh, it doesn't it's not necessarily going to work for everybody. Uh, but again, it's something to think about. All of these things are things we need to think about uh, rather than just uh, cussing the weather. Uh, you know, these are things that we can think about in, in reducing that production variability. Yeah, there's there's a lot we can do to, you know, while we can't control it perfectly, we can do stuff to mitigate uh, the downside risk that we may experience at, as a farm business. But, you know, I do want to point out, as you said, Michael, there are costs to this, right? Uh, diversification, maybe uh, you're going to uh, a product that requires a little bit of capital investment or other labor costs. So, you know, there there is a cost to these, but hopefully the the benefit of the reduction risk out, outweigh the cost. So Jenna, I wanna turn next to you. So uh, Michael mentioned diversification that you would touch a little bit more on that. Uh, when I hear the word diversification, I, I think of producing different products on the farm. So what is this product variability, this diversification, and, and what do we need to do to evaluate our farm business pertaining to this product variability? 
So product variability deals with reconfiguring the operation while still maintaining your flexibility. And so in terms of diversification, it could be adding another product line to what you're selling, or it could be something as simple as looking at another market. So if you're doing, um, let's say pumpkins, because it's the fall and everything, if you're doing pumpkins and you're selling them right now at one farmer's market, you could look at adding into another farmer's market or doing a roadside stand. So you're adding another market to diversify your operation. But just like you were saying, there are some give and takes and whether you can really withstand diversifying your operation. And so you have to look at um, what's it going to cost you. It could cost you um, human resources because you might need more employees helping you, uh, might take some more management time. And there may be some upfront costs, especially if you've got to pay fees to join another farmer's market. So those are some things you have to evaluate when you're deciding whether diversification is right for you. When it comes to being more flexible and um, like Michael was saying about using flexibility within your operation, um, you need to look again at your labor. A lot of times when we're doing product um, variability, labor becomes a big issue and we always need to be aware of what limitations our labor has and whether or not we can take on that new employee. Um, but labor is one and also equipment because, um, you know, say you're getting more um, products to go sell, that's great, but do you have the transportation to get those products to the consumers and do the consumers want that? So those are some other things you need to think about when you um, discuss um, flexibility. With vertical integration, um, it depends on market opportunities, asset availability, and the skill and knowledge of the managers. The idea of vertical integration may run counter to the idea of specializing in one area, which is kind of what Michael was saying earlier. And so you've got to decide what's best for you. Can you specialize? Is that where you really need to find that niche for you? Or do you need to do some vertical integration and have multiple products? Lastly, with the technology, um, when you're trying to decide whether or not you want to implement new technology, the first step is getting educated on it and making sure you know how to utilize it to the best of your ability. Um, for some individuals, technology can be scary. And that upfront hurdle of overcoming the idea of something new may be enough to just make you decide, I can't do it. So just even sitting down and just making sure you're mentally prepared for adding that new technology to your operation is important. Now, I want to follow up on something Michael said earlier, and Ed, I'll, I'll pose this question to you. Um, you know, he mentioned that maybe it's possible to transfer the risk, right? So if we can't mitigate it, maybe we can transfer it to, to someone else. So how should we think about this concept of transferring risk, and what is the preferred method of transferring risk? Well, Brady, there are different ways to transfer risk when you think about your farming operation. First off, we want to talk about um, some contracts possibly for when you're production and marketing. They, the two sometimes go hand in hand. Uh, you think about what what are your products that you produce on the farm? Uh, do you grow specialty crops? Um, I think about it uh, from the aspect of I, my family had a produce farm uh, along with a grain farm when I was growing up and, and we produced watermelons and tomatoes that uh, my dad worked with a broker and, and there wasn't a written contract, but there was a contract because everything that we produced went to that broker and we didn't know the price, but, but there was, you know, we, we had, he had kind of a, a unwritten 
contract in place. So some of these contracts that you work with don't don't necessarily are, you know, and this could be a small producer, this can be a large producer, you may have some of these handshake type contracts for, for your production and your marketing. Um, the, in today's world, I'm going back 35, 40 years ago, I'm talking about this situation when my father worked with the broker, but it's, you know, you think about the, you know, how people sell their grain or whether you're in the livestock or produce, it's, it's very important to have things now in, in writing uh, to, to protect yourself. Um, if something should, should come up with, with your production, you know, how, uh, you know, knowing, you know, what, what is in place. Uh, a lot of people do work uh, with uh, grain elevators and have a, have a written contract in place for selling their grain. And uh, if they're in the livestock business, they, they do the same thing with, with where, you know, where they're going to sell their cattle and, and how, how they're going to be priced and, and that type of thing. Or if you're in, I, I use cattle for an example, but uh, there's there's a lot of different types of, of farm products that that would apply to this situation. But but really, you know, you you can't have both. But but it is much preferred to have something uh, written when you're working with, uh, uh, you know, the the particularly somebody that's that's buying your your crops and and so the other side that that is important when you think about transferring risk is is really to look at what insurance you have in place. And if you think of a number one property and casualty insurance, if you have not looked at that lately and you, you own a lot of farm buildings and you, you have uh, haven't had the opportunity to meet with your insurance person, it, it'd be very good to, to sit down and, and really look and see what you, you do have in place for that. Um, the other types are health, life, and disability, and these these all are 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 ones that you think of as a group. But but really, it's important to think um, about. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't give a lot of credit to having disability insurance, but there's if you particularly if you've got other uh, people that are working with you in the business, or or just to protect you know your loved ones that that may have to pick up if if you were disabled. You know, really thinking that through those those steps and and uh, taking a hard look at these these and and life insurance sometimes can be um, an estate plan uh, that that could be put in place to help with, with heirs or even you know some some other business partners whether it's siblings or whether it's cousins or whoever you're in, in business with so that's that's really something you may want to even involve. Your, your attorney in, in that conversation. Um, you know, liability insurance is something I, I have a nephew that just is a new uh, lawyer just, and he was talking about going into courtrooms and doing a lot with the, the these uh, truck crashes cases. And and so he, he mentioned, you know, how detailed things can, can get when they, when you get to that situation. So, so really thinking about what your liability is and, and are, do you have the rights business structure in place um, a lot of times if you're you know you have a separate business that's doing a lot of trucking you may want to have that business set up as a separate limited liability company um, and making sure you know where, where you are protected in that area and finally crop insurance is one that everybody um, talks about a lot uh, when when they 
when it comes March, when it, that's when you have to make those decisions. And and it's really uh, this conversation quite often would involve your your lender too, because they sometimes want to make sure that if you have operating loans and and perhaps you're in a situation now where you've you've had to increase that operating line of credit uh, be, for various reasons, but uh, sometimes people are growing and sometimes it's just because things cost more for your inputs. And so uh, you, you may want to make sure everybody's on the same page. You know, what level are you protected on your crop insurance? So so really this this risk transfer, when it comes to these contracts and, and insurance, there's there's a there's a lot that that to to think about. Um, but really just just to kind of go through this checklist to see, you know, what what maybe are some areas that you haven't looked at and, and need to address. Yeah, and there's a lot, sounds like there's a lot of different mechanisms out there to transfer that risk, especially on the insurance side for 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 these farm businesses. Uh, so with that. I just want to remind our listeners that if you want to learn more about uh, managing your production risk and the six pillars of farm risk management, please go to the Purdue Institute for Family Business website at purdue.ag backslash famBiz. And if you want to find more farm management news and information, you can go to the Center for Commercial Agriculture's website at purdue.edu backslash commercial ag. You can also find both centers on the uh, social media, the Center for Commercial Agriculture can be found at, at PU Commercial Ag, and the Purdue Institute for Family Business can be found at Purdue Fam Biz. With that, I am Brady Brewer, and on behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture, I thank you for listening to today's episode. <music>